First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. We're, in the, we're uh, moving along in a, seri a series now called Learning from Roadkill. In this series, if you're new, if you're watching us on Facebook, uh, you haven't uh, been following us uh, in this series, it's a series where I've researched and found the 10 of the most common animals that are run over and killed on the roads of America. And what I'm doing is kind of researching those animals and trying to find at least one fatal flaw in those animals and then make a spiritual application because it's not natural, it's not normal for animals to get run over in the road. In fact, it's a phenomenon that's only been here in America for, well, in the world for a little over 100 years because there was no problem with roadkill back in Billy the Kid days, right? There were no cars in the roads. <laughs> so natural instincts get these animals into trouble. Our, our text verse for the entire series is 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. The reason that's our text verse is because it's so true. And it's, it's, it's at the heart of why we as followers of Christ become roadkill on the road of our, on the road of, our, of life, the, the road of the walk with Jesus Christ. Satan is, a, you know, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, I'm not gonna take a poll here, I don't wanna throw you out there, but how many of you, when you accepted Jesus Christ, if you accepted Christ later in life, thought that, now all my problems are over, right? I have Jesus in my heart. All my problems are behind me now. And that may have been true in some areas, right? There may have been some areas of your life that instantly changed. And there may be some areas of your life where things did get better right away or, or over the short period of time. But I don't know if there's a believer who has taken their walk seriously that has not come to the realization that this isn't as easy as you thought it was going to be. Walking with Jesus, being faithful to Jesus, isn't as easy as you thought it was going to be. And nowadays especially, I mean, we have the perfect excuse not to go to church anymore. We have the perfect excuse not to be a witness anymore. And unfortunately, many of our brothers and sisters in Christ are taking this time to fall away from their faith. Why? Because Satan is not letting up at all, and he won't let up. And we have to understand that as we walk with Christ, as we live this life as believers, as we try to do our dead level best to be a witness to those who need to hear about Jesus and an example to those who need to, to see a life of faith and a life that matters, Satan is always there opposing us and trying to beat us down. Today's animal is the squirrel. Let's be honest, how many of you... How many of you have ever run over a squirrel? Yeah, I thought so. Now, the next question, I won't ask for a hand raise on this one, but how many of you ever stopped and picked the squirrel up and had a stew afterwards? I'm just kidding, just kidding. It is legal. As we found the very first week of this series, I gave statistics. I think it's like 39 states in America. It's legal to pick up roadkill. And that's the way a lot of people... Uh, yeah, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, you can, get the, you can take the roadkill off the road, but you have to report it and you have to have a tag. Like, oh, I, I've, just, I've, got a tag, I've got a tag in the car just in case I find a dead deer on the road. But today's animal is the squirrel. Squirrels aren't very common roadkill on highways. You don't usually see them on 91. You don't usually see dead squirrels on the Mass Pike. They're more of a neighborhood site, right? 
Spring, summer, and fall, we find the roads of many towns and communities littered with the remains of squirrels who didn't make it across the road. In fact, it's estimated that approximately 41 million squirrels are killed on the roads of America every, every year. 41 million. Squirrels can be quite a nuisance, as well as being fun to watch and feed. My parents had a squirrel in their yard for years, and they had named, I forget what the name was, they named this squirrel, and it was the fattest squirrel you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> because my parents would go out every, day, every morning, if my, da my dad loved popcorn, right? Make popcorn every night, and whatever was left over, they'd take and throw in the backyard. And this squirrel would eat all the popcorn. You gotta get this fat squirrel. He got no problem making it through the winter. But squirrels are fixtures in most neighborhoods in America. So I wanna give you, as we get into this, let me give you some squirrel facts. The word squirrel comes from the Greek scorius, which means shadow tail. Back in the days of ancient Greece, and when a squirrel would sit up on its hind legs, it would look like they would, it was hot, trying to hide in its shadow or hide behind its tail. So that's how it got the name. There are more than 270 different species of squirrel in the world. How many of you have a black squirrel in your neighborhood? You know that the black squirrel are not, are not native to, Amer to North America? They came over from Europe. They were brought over by one man, and now, like Westfield, is filled with black squirrels. The smallest squirrel is the African pygmy squirrel at five inches long, and this single fact here just blew my mind. The largest squirrel in the world is the Indian giant squirrel and the Chinese giant flying squirrel. Both can reach up to three feet long. A three feet long flying squirrel. How'd you like to see that coming at you? That's like craziness. <clears throat> Squirrel's front teeth never stop growing. Squirrels are the number one threat to America's power grid and have been the cause of shutting down the NASDAQ exchange twice. You believe that? Squirrels, squirrels can, they're, with those teeth that never stop growing, they can chew through a power line. And they've actually shut down the NASDAQ stock exchange two times with their uh, nefarious activities. Squirrels were once rare in big cities. And in fact, a story is told in, in 1986 of a crowd that gathered in Central Park in New York City in 1856 to see a rare gray squirrel. In fact, did you know, this is another interesting fact, did you know that squirrels are not native to Australia? For many, many years, up until about 100 years ago, Australia had no squirrels. And somebody brought, started bringing gray squirrels to Australia, and now Australia has the plague. <laughs> Probably not the best choice of phrase there, right? <laughs> tree, tree squirrels, mostly eat nuts, seeds, and fruits, but their omnivores will eat anything if they're hungry. They will even eat roadkill. Squirrels have many predators, including snakes, coyotes, hawks, and owls. Squirrels can glide, those squirrels who are flying squirrels can glide between 150 and 300 feet. Squirrel can, uh, a flying squirrel can fly up to the length of a football field. Squirrels can run up to 20 miles an hour. When squirrels are evading a predator, they run in a zigzag pattern to make them more difficult to catch. But when confronted by a car, squirrels run back and forth in a panic, causing them to be constant victims 
of roadkill. We've all seen it, right? You ever had that squirrel? You see that squirrel dart out in front of you, and you think, oh, great, I missed him, but here he comes again, and then again, and then again, and back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth, and you breathe a sigh of relief if you look in your rearview mirror and you see him climbing a tree, and not so much if you look in your rearview mirror and you see not climbing a tree. <laughs> Sometimes a squirrel runs back into the road once it's reached safety, only to be hit by a car. A squirrel will cross the road and get to the other side, but then come back. That's their instinct to run it. When, when they're confronted by danger, they zigzag everywhere. The squirrel's inability to decide which side of the road is safer or which direction provides the greatest level of safety is their fatal flaw. And today we're going to be discussing the indecisive squirrel. The indecisive squirrel. Squirrels are fast enough, they can jump far enough, they can climb well enough, in short, they have all the tools they need to safely be able to cross the road without the danger of getting hit. Yet they put themselves in situations where their worst instincts kick in and literally put their lives in jeopardy. Many Christians are like the indecisive squirrel. Life can be difficult. Life can be filled with complex, confusing, scary, and even life-changing decisions. You think about it this week. You pray for our assistant pastor, Zach, and his wife, Tiffany. They're leaving tomorrow to go down to Pennsylvania. They are meeting with a group called Converge. And Converge is a group that uh, sponsors and supports church planters around the country. And we know that Zach and Tiffany are leaving, are, are going out in about a year to plant the church over in West Springfield. And this group will be their, their uh, fundraising agent if, uh, if, if they're approved. And it's a tough, it's a big decision. It's a scary, life-changing decision. Our lives are filled with these kind of decisions. And it can be difficult. Unfortunately, many Christians shrink at the thought of making a big decision in their faith or of taking risk or stepping out on a limb and making a choice that will change their life or take them out from their comfort zone. Let's be honest, many people right now, many, many of our brothers and sisters in Christ are having a difficult time deciding whether or not to go to church live nowadays. They're indecisive. One time, at one moment, they're all, all hyped up and ready to go. And then the next is, oh, I'm not quite sure. And it's not just COVID-19 that's keeping people out of church. It's the fact that it's much more comfortable to sit at home and watch on a computer or on TV. And now we have a YouTube, we're on YouTube uh, you, I, don't, I guess we have a YouTube channel. I'm not quite, <laughs> I stay out of those kind of things. I, you don't want me messing with that. Uh, and you can watch it. We, uh, we have a 70-inch screen TV. You can watch me on high-definition 70-inch. Why did you want to do that? I'd never know. But it's much easier. It's much more convenient. It's much more relaxed, right? And people, have, people are making decisions like that. And, and right now, it's much easier to make a decision not to be the faithful believer, it's much more, it's much easier to make the decision to keep that, that money that you would normally give to the church in your pocket right now because you want to put it away for a rainy day. And, and these indecisive, these, these big decisions in life are wearing at people and wearing us down and we're becoming indecisive as Christians. And that's why the church has lost so many people during this time. 34% we've lost in, in the church in America today. The idea of disrupting the status quo or the possibility of adversity or challenge is enough to keep many people from making a choice to change or change something that will benefit them 
or their family. Here's some random thoughts, some quotes from some wise people about the danger of indecision. An anonymous quote here, don't let the mixed feelings fool you. Indecision is a decision. You're deciding to be indecisive. Doe Zantamata said, indecision steals many years from many people who wind up wishing they just had the courage to leap. I remember so many times talking with older people or uh, older pastors as I was learning how to, how to pastor a church. And I'd sit down with some older gentlemen that had been in ministry for years, and they'd tell me of their regrets and the things they wished they had done, and the fact that they wished they hadn't listened to this certain, the fact that they wished they wouldn't have let people have so much influence over their decisions, that they wished they would have put Jesus first in all of their decisions as a pastor. And sitting down and talking with other Christians, older Christians who look back with regret. Man, I, I'll tell you what. I think the worst part of indecision is this for a believer is that you will look back at some point in your life with regret saying, I wish I had done that. I wish I had made that choice. I wish I had done what I, what I knew I needed to do. Because now, as I look back, I realize I didn't do all that God called me to do. <clears throat> Marcus Tullius Cicero said, more is lost by indecision than the wrong decision. Indecision is the thief of opportunity. Don't let it steal you blind. Make no mistake, this time in history is filled with indecision on the part of Christians, and that indecision has some serious and disastrous consequences both for individual believers, for families, and for churches as well. So I've, I've got to be honest with you. There's a lot of churches that will never recover from this time. And it's not because of COVID-19. It's because of indecision. There are many churches that decided, well, we've got to, we've, we've got to shut down. We've got to do what the, what the government tells us to do. Now they're realizing they shouldn't have done that, but it's too late. They've lost their people. They've lost everything. Churches are, are, are going under left and right because of indecision. What's the big deal about being indecisive? Listen, we're, the kind of indecision we're talking about, being an indecisive squirrel Christian, is not about deciding what to wear. We're not talking about being indecisive about where to go out to dinner. That's, that's frustrating for people, right? How many of you couples, when you want to go out to dinner, it's frustrating because, yeah, I want to go out here, but, or, or you want it, I won't, I won't, I won't point out one, one spouse, but one says, well, it's your choice. You pick. And well, I don't really know. And then you make a choice and it's like, okay, but I really wanted tacos. <laughs> Well, let's have, well, you know what? But you wanted, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the indecision we're talking about. That just, that just frustrates you and gets the, gets the remote hidden on you. You know what I'm saying? What we're talking about is that indecision in life as a follower of Christ where it says, that's, that's just a big risk. Oh my goodness, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can step out. 
I don't know if I could. And you're stuck in the middle. And you don't make that choice to follow. And you don't make the choice to walk away. So you're just stuck in the middle. The Bible calls that being lukewarm. So what's the big deal? After all, aren't you only just hurting or affecting yourself by your indecision? Doesn't your indecision just affect you? What's the big deal? That may be true when it comes to what to eat for lunch, but as a follower of Christ, indecision on our part is a decision and it's a big deal. Margaret Benson Idahosa said, if we fail to work diligently, our lives will be devoid of fruits and results. Not because God did not give us the ability, but, we did, but because we did nothing with the ability God gave us. Amazing. Amazing to see people, one of the most heartbreaking things for me as a pastor, I'll be honest with you, is to see people with enormous gifts and talents and abilities. People who have have been blessed by God with incredible abilities to do incredible things. And they sit on the sidelines because of indecision. Well, I don't want to, you know what, I, I don't want to, I don't know if I should, I don't know if I should make the commitment, I don't know if I, and, and indecision keeps them from doing what they should do. What does indecision do? What's the big deal? First of all, indecision paralyzes your witness. Indecision paralyzes your witness. If you, are, if you are indecisive about whether or not you're going to be all in for Jesus Christ, whether or not you're going to allow things to keep you from moving forward, some of you, let's be honest, some of you have been hurt in the past by church and by Christians. And because of that, you hold it against every other church and every other Christian. You say, I will not put myself out there. I know I should, but I don't want to. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be judged. I don't want, to be, uh, I don't want my heart broken again. I don't want to have to go through that. And instead of stepping out and doing what you know God has called you to do, you sit on the sidelines in indecision whether or not you want to put yourself out there. We're going to be talking a little bit about <laughs> why we should put ourselves out there no matter the consequences. It prevents forward progress in your walk. Indecision prevents forward progress in your walk. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor John. I read my, I read my devotions. I have my Bible app on my phone. When I'm at the gym, I listen to it on my... Maybe you listen to the Bible on your, on your headphones at the gym. I do. I, have, I read my Bible every day, Pastor John. Okay, that's great. That's great. But do you do anything with what you read? Consumption as a Christian is not what it's all about. Functionality comes when you consume and then when you exercise. You consume to get the energy you need and then you exercise to get the strength that you need to move forward and to be accomplished and to do things for the kingdom of God. What else does it do? It weakens our resolve as a follower of Jesus. Indecision, a lack of desire, a lack of deciding whether or not to move forward, whether or not to get involved, whether or not to commit. I... I know several people in my life that it's their mission in life to visit every church in the area. <laughs> like, okay. 
But what does that do for the gifts that God gave you to be involved in a local church? All right, no, you can't be involved. Yes, you can. I tell you, I, I tell this church all the time, man, I'm praying that God would show each and every one of us a way forward during this pandemic. There is something that each and every one of us can do, even though much of society is shut down. It doesn't mean that God has stopped working. It doesn't mean that people have stopped needing to hear about Jesus. It doesn't mean that Christians have, not stopped, have stopped needing to be a witness and to share their faith. Now more than ever, as we see the day of the return of Jesus Christ approaching, now more than ever, it's so vitally important that we as believers get ourselves involved in the kingdom work. <clears throat> but quitting and walking away becomes much easier. Excuses begin to make much more sense when you're indecisive. What else does it do? It keeps us from making necessary decisions and choices that impact our spiritual growth. Because we're indecisive and we don't want to take that risk or we don't want to take that step of faith, it hinders us. It holds us back from growing stronger. Remember what Paul says in Romans? Paul said we grow from faith to faith. In other words, what he's saying is you grow from expression of faith to expression of faith. Every time you express your faith, every time you put your faith in Jesus Christ for a decision and he proves himself to you, that gives you strength to make the next decision for him. And pretty soon, you're making stronger decisions and you're growing stronger in your faith and you know that when you do the right thing for the kingdom of God, God is in the middle of it. He's going to bless you. He's going to bless your efforts. And great things are going to be done for his kingdom, if only in your life. It leaves us, indecision leads us wide open to being spiritual roadkill. Being indecisive as a follower of Jesus Christ, man, if you're an indecisive Christian, you're like that squirrel who's running back and forth in the road, and there's cars coming both ways bearing down on you. Eventually, one of them is going to run you over, Christian. If you can't make a choice, if you can't make that decision to follow Jesus Christ, if you're a husband or a father and you can't make that choice and that decision to lead your family for Jesus Christ, if you're a mom, if you're a wife, if you can't make that decision to stand firm and, uh, and raise your children in the word of God and make sure that Jesus Christ is the very center of your marriage relationship, you're not going to move forward. You're going to be stuck in that valley of indecision and nothing is going to go right in your walk with Jesus Christ. Folks, we have to be decisive in following Jesus Christ. And I think perhaps the biggest deal of all about being indecisive is our indecisiveness as followers of Jesus Christ means that some people will die and go to hell because they've never heard the word. Why are we indecisive? What is it that causes us to be indecisive? Is it just human nature? It's just the way I am. It's a, nowadays we say it's the way we're wired, right? That's just the way I'm wired. I'm wired to be that way. Did you know the Bible says you're saved from your sins and you're given, you're be, you've become a new creation and that new creative process in you because of the salvation that Jesus Christ has given you is a progressive growth a progressive growth um, proposition in your life. 
The more you express your faith, the more you grow. The more you grow, the easier it is to walk the life of faith, even when the big difficult times come your way. And you're growing and you're becoming stronger and stronger and stronger. So why are we indecisive? Let's be honest. The first and the biggest reason that Christians are indecisive is because we're double-minded. As, as James writes, we're double-minded. We have one foot in the world and we have one foot in the church. We're double-minded. James 1 verses 6 through 8 says, but let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Did you get that? I mean, does the, does the power of that verse and, and the consequence of that verse grip you as a follower of Christ? If you're indecisive as a Christian, if you're back and forth, if you can't choose between following Jesus and, and leaning on your own understanding and keeping one foot in the world because that's where you draw your security from, if that's the kind of Christian you're going to be, James says, don't expect anything from God. Why? Because God's mean? No. Because you're relying on yourself. Because you're trying to do everything on your own. You're like a four-year-old child who doesn't know how to tie their shoes, but frustrates their parents to no end because they won't let them tie their shoes. I solved it. Our kids had, our, our boys had Velcro or slip-ons. And now I, uh, I have the, the speed laces on my shoes. All I have to do is slip them on. doesn't matter what they are. But I digress. We're double-minded people. Our priorities are divided because we're torn between what's right and what's convenient. Right now, I mean, today, this is, this is so pertinent to society today for Christians today, isn't it? We're divided between what's right and what's convenient. And this isn't just with normal people. I'm not, I'm not just talking about people in, in, the, in the pews, just church members. I'm talking about all the way to leadership in the church over and over and over again. I mean, I've, I've told you, when, when we made the decision to keep this church open throughout all the pandemic, I knew that a lot of people were not gonna be, not gonna want to come out. And I understand that I've talked with many of our people in the church and I understand their health concerns. Listen, um, many of you uh, might have met a man named um, Jay Karen. Jay Karen is a great friend of this church. He, was a, he didn't come to this church, but he's from the, he was from East Longmeadow. Great friend of this church, did a lot of things. We have, a, we have a, a, a free water meter in this church because Jay got it set up when we hosted the, uh, the lacrosse team. Our, whole, our field was leveled off, and Jay had a big part of it. Jay did a whole lot of things for us. Jay died on Tuesday from COVID. Lives right, lived, him and his wife lived right around the corner from us over in our neighborhood here. Listen, I know that there's a lot of fear going on. There's, there's danger out there. No doubt about it. I get it. And I know that people are more, some people are at greater risk than others. I get that. And I understand that it's, the, it's a better choice for some people that have health risks to isolate right now. And I think personally, that's what you should do. But that's not everybody. In fact, that's a small majority 
of our population. And we're allowing fear to keep us from making decisions that cause us to show, show faith in the middle of fear, in the middle of panic. And I've, I've talked with pastors, and, and we were given, when we made that decision to stay open, I, I'll, I'll be very transparent and very honest with you. I told the deacons, I said, guys, if you want me to resign because I want to keep, you guys, Cliff. Cliff's one of our deacons. I said, if you want me to resign because I'm going to keep, I want to keep the church open, then I'll resign. But I cannot shut a church down. I talked to my dad, my mom, talked to other pastors. I cannot shut this church down. If nobody shows up, we're going to be open for church. We've got Facebook Live. People can watch it. I was not going to allow the circumstances. Listen, life is not going to be easy, folks. Do you understand that? I almost fell over. My foot almost gave out on me there. I can't balance. So this right leg is all titanium. I can't balance on it. So that wasn't a smart thing to do. But life isn't easy, folks. And just because you have Jesus in your heart doesn't mean that all your problems are going away. It doesn't mean that hard decisions are not going to come down the road and stare you right in the face. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be afraid. It doesn't mean that, that fear is not going to grip you and indecision and all those worries. Let's face it. Right now, we're not sure what next year is going to bring, right? How many have seen memes on Facebook about what 2020 is and what 2021 is going to be like. We all see it. But did you not know that God knows the future? Did you not know, do you not know that Jesus holds this whole world in his hand? Do you not know that Jesus has a plan for your life? And that Jesus can keep you and sustain you through all of this. Did you not know that Jesus said, my children hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I'll take care of them. If I take care of the flowers of the field, if I take care of the trees, if I take care of the birds, if I take care of squirrels that don't decide to run in the middle of the road, how much more do I care about you? I died for you. I paid the price for your sins. If I was willing to do that, why would I leave you hanging out there? Why would I leave you there su a suspect and subject to fear that would overwhelm and overtake you? Why? I love you. I'm your savior. I'm preparing a place for you in heaven. Why would I leave you alone in the middle of a great time of fear? I'm here for you. If you would just trust me. But it's going to be difficult at times. And in those difficult times, you've got to lean on me. I'm here for you. That's what he's trying to say. But we get overwhelmed by fear. Because our priorities are divided. Because we're afraid of losing everything that, wait for it, we're afraid of losing everything that we've worked for. I've worked hard all my life. I applaud that, man. I applaud people who have worked hard, men and women who have worked hard to build a life for themselves and their family, single parents who have fought through adversity. I admire uh, people who have gone out on a limb and, and built a business or, or, or <clears throat> excuse me, advanced in their field to become 
uh, something great. I have a brother-in-law here that I admire amazingly because of the work that he, the, the hard work that he puts in to support his family. And he's done it for years and years and years. But do you not know that all those things that, we, that we've worked for can be gone in an instant, yet God still says, I will provide. I will provide. I will take care of you. I am your source. If you will make me your source, I've, I'll take care of you. We're torn between what's right and what's convenient. We don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. We desire, and this is a big one in church now, this is a big one for churches, we desire popularity and purpose rather than just purpose. Listen, Jesus never said, hey, go out, plant the church, or be faithful to the church and become the most popular person in the neighborhood. Not what he said. What we have to say, what we have to do, the way we are called to live and the things we're called to stand for are not popular with a lot of people. People don't like what we have to say. People don't like what the Bible has to say. But that doesn't matter for us as believers. We're not called to be popular. We're called to live a life of purpose. Because when all that popularity goes out the window and people's lives are crashing in on them, they need to be able to go to somebody who's lived a life of faith and purpose and get some answers. And that's where we come in. Why else are we indecisive? Be honest again, because we're afraid. We're afraid. Let's bring it back to that easy little decision about going out to dinner. Why are we so afraid to make a choice, right? I could, I, I could eat Mexican food every night. Love Mexican food. Love Mexican food. As long as it's nachos, <laughs> you know? I love Chinese food. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, look at me. I love food, all right? <laughs> I just love food. <laughs> Show me to the door. Open it, give me a place to sit, and I'll eat. But one of the reasons that I know for Aaron and I, Aaron and me, one of the reasons the decision of where to go to eat is so difficult is because we don't want to disappoint the other one, right? Oh, that may be what I want, but does she really want that? And Aaron doesn't really do Chinese food uh, gives, upsets her stomach. So even though I love Chinese food, it's probably not the best thing for me to say, oh, I want to go to Chinese and, and have her be sick all night. It's not fair. It's not, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt her feelings. And sometimes we don't make decisions. We don't make decisions to get involved in ministry or we don't make decisions to, 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 to be faithful to church. Or we don't make decisions to do this or that or the other thing for God because we don't want to hurt someone else's feelings because we think that it might make other people feel bad because we are in a certain position and they're not. We're afraid of commitment. We're afraid of committing ourselves because if I commit to something, now I've put myself out there and said, I'll be there. I'll do it. I'll be involved. I'll take responsibility. And we don't know because something better may come down the road, right? That's just, that's just honesty. We're afraid of commitment. Luke 9, 62, Jesus challenged us on that. He says, 
No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Ouch. That's an ouch verse. I've given my heart to Jesus Christ. I've, given, I've trusted him with my eternity. I've trusted him with my eternal soul, but I can't trust him with my day-to-day -day decisions. And Jesus said, if you have given your heart to me and then you turn back and go back to where you were and live the way you were, you're not, do you, do you see what he's saying there? You're not deserving of it. Doesn't mean you're not going to get it because the Bible says once, you, once you've accepted Christ, you are eternally secure, but you are not living like a person who deserves heaven. You're an, an ungrateful person. You want to just take advantage. All you want, all you want is an escape, uh, a, a fire escape out of hell. You don't want to change your life. We're afraid of failure, right? One of the reasons we, uh, we're, we're afraid and one of the reasons we're indecisive is because we're afraid of failure. We're afraid of failing. Failure is part of life. And, and depending on how you want to look at it, unfortunately or fortunately, failure is part of ministry as well. You know, we, we, uh, we, when we finally got the green light to start having children's programs here during, during this crisis, uh, the kids were all in here. And we had, we had uh, services, and it was tough. Some of our, our families, uh, our, our worship team members, all have, most, most have, uh, well, some of them have children, small children. And it was tough for them. Um, yet they were still here. And then we had to make the choice. When we decided to go to two services, and then we were allowed to do, have, have child, uh, children's programs, which service do we do children's programs in? Is it the nine o'clock service, which would be better for our worship team, or the 10.30 service? And they were tough to say, but we made a decision, and we did it at 10.30, and we started having families come out. And now, now, this first week, this week, you talk about God blessing, man. Not only did we have, did God provide a team of people uh, uh, to work in the children's ministry, we now have, the reason there's no kids in here right now, at the nine o'clock service is because we is just starting this Sunday. We have a brand new nine o'clock children's program. Look, man, look at what God's doing. You make a decision. You make a decision to do what's right. My, my, let me tell you something. Let me be honest, honest with you. Okay, my nine-year-old, I almost kicked that over. My nine, I, but I can't feel anything with that foot, so it doesn't matter. So don't feel bad for me, okay? My nine-year-old twin sons, Gabriel and Michael, love them to death. Love them to death. You know what they say about being in here? It's boring. Oh, oh, my heart. That eh, doesn't hurt my feelings. You know why? Because I see what entertains them. Okay? It doesn't hurt my feelings that a nine-year-old doesn't get what I do in here. It doesn't hurt my feelings that a nine-year-old, that, that nine-year-old boys aren't excited about hearing deep, Teaching from the word of God. What kind of, what kind of unspiritual children are they? <laughs> They're nine-year-old boys who create havoc and terror in the neighborhood. That's what they are. But I'm so thrilled that they have a place to go while dad's bringing the word to people that want to hear. You see, I'm excited because 
during this time when so many churches are shutting down and so many churches are closing their doors and, and, and walking away, our church is opening and becoming more vital and vibrant. And we're ministering to everybody we possibly can here. You see, when you're decisive, whether it's popular or not, and it wasn't popular, it's not popular to be doing what we're doing. You should read... Dude, <laughs> when I preached the series on race back over the summer, it, if you were here, it was pretty, pretty, pretty pointed. Those of you who are... Was it, did you think I was on the fence? How many of you thought I was on the fence when I, you know, when I preached that series on race? It was a pretty, pretty, pretty pointed series. I had to have Zach... I had to go and tell Zach. He's not in here right now. I think he's in the nursery. What a man. Um, I had to tell Zach to block people from our Facebook page. Christian people. I was preaching about how Jesus loves everybody, no matter the color of your skin, and that everybody's equal, and that we, especially white people, need to accept the fact that we're not the cat's meow, and that Jesus died for people of color, and we need to get over ourselves, in so many words. I was called a lot of ugly names on our Facebook feed during a sermon. During a sermon. You know what? I didn't go home and say, hey, Aaron, I think I should stop preaching this series. It hurt my feelings. If you know me very well, you know that it doesn't hurt my feelings very much. If we are all about popularity, we are not about Jesus. And if we are unwilling to make those difficult decisions because we're afraid of failure or we're afraid of judgment or afraid of stepping on people's toes or we're afraid of losing giving to the church or we're afraid of losing people from the church, then we're not following the leadership of Jesus Christ. And we're, if we're afraid to live for Jesus Christ because our family won't invite us to Thanksgiving dinner, then Jesus said, you're not worthy of calling yourself a follower of mine. Man, you can buy your own turkey and stuffing. Can of cranberry sauce, thing of mashed potatoes, you're all set. Why else are we indecisive? Because we think that tough decisions are lose-lose. This is actually a thing nowadays. Did you know <laughs> that one of the most, one of the most um, common complaints from pastors right now during this pandemic in America today is they are struggling, and many I've shared with you before, many pastors are committing suicide right now. Pastors and pastors' wives, it's, it's, it's almost at an epidemic proportion right now. And pastors are losing their churches, they're losing their people. And their comment is they are stagnant because they think every decision they make is lose-lose. Listen, if, you are if you're basing your decision on how people are going to receive you, rather than whether or not it's the right thing to do in the eyes of God, you're always going to lose. You're always going to lose. We are not called to be people pleasers. We're called to be God pleasers. We serve in this life. Do you understand this? We serve in this life for an audience of one. The life we live is for an audience of one. 
God says, you follow me, you live for me, you honor me in your life, I will bless your life, I will take your witness, I will take what you do for me, and I will reach out to the world through you. And I, if I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself, not you, not you. Therefore, I have no business making any decision based on my personal desire and feeling if it's, if it's a decision for the kingdom of God. Some people live their life by the mantra, you can't please everybody, so why try please anybody? Can't please everybody, so why do I try to please anybody at all? You know why tough decisions are tough? Because they matter. Tough decisions are tough, difficult decisions are difficult because they matter. The, the decision you're going to make, whether or not to live your life, whether or not to stand firm on your beliefs as a follower of Jesus Christ matters, not just for you, not just for your family, but for people out there. People need to hear about Jesus Christ. They're not going to hear about Jesus Christ from a bunch of indecisive Christians who don't know which way is up or down because they can't make a decision. Our decisions should never be, pay, be based on whether other people like them or not. Stop worrying about the reaction from people and concern yourself with the approval of God. Stop worrying about the reaction of people and concern yourself with the approval of God. Oh, but that's so difficult. I know it is. Listen, I'm not trying to be up here saying this is just easy stuff. Do you know how hard it is to hit a squirrel? <laughs> Seriously. I'm not, once again, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many people here have tried to hit a squirrel on the road? You do, you take that, yeah, nobody's raising their hand. I haven't either. But you know what I found? The easiest way to avoid hitting a squirrel is just keep driving straight. That's what I found. Just a little piece of advice that I, doesn't matter, but. But seriously, you know how hard it is to hit a squirrel? It's tough. It's tough. Yet squirrels make it very easy because of their indecisiveness. Tough decisions can mean the difference between moving forward and moving backward as a follower of Jesus. Right now, life is full of those tough decisions, even down to what you will do with your church attendance and your service. Even families, right now, listen, I know these are tough decisions, folks. Even families and marriages are divided over these issues right now. Should we go to church or not? Should we go to church or not? Should we get involved in church or not? Listen, I've had a lot, I've had several people come to me and what can we do for, for Halloween this year to reach out? We can't do anything, okay? Do you think that's an easy decision for me to make as a pastor? Last year, we had 6,000 people here for Trunk or Treat. 6,000 walked through our doors. We had the opportunity to minister, to reach out to our community, to share the love of Jesus Christ, to show people a better way, to break open. This is not an easy town to reach out to. This is a town that doesn't think they need anything. They have all the answers. Most of the people in this town that work get to work from home. That's the kind of jobs they have. Many of you, if you don't go to work, you're not getting paid, right? 
So people in this town don't get it. They don't get all the difficulties. They can, they can stay at home. Our town isn't going back to school. Like to change that. <laughs> so we've got to find creative ways to reach our community with the love of Jesus Christ, to show them that we're here and that we care. Hey, listen, trunk or treat isn't necessarily, it's, trunk or treat is not, is not preaching a message. But you're never going to be able to preach a message. You're never going to be able to live a witness in front of people until A, they know you exist, and B, they know you care about them in some form. That's my friend Jay Karen that just passed away. Jay opened a lot of doors for us in this community. I never played a game of lacrosse in my life. I don't know the rules. Yet I was an assistant coach at East Longmeadow High School, JV Lacrosse, because Jay asked me to be just so I could be an influence on those teenage boys. No lie. Do you think, it, I'm a guy, I love sports, and I don't like to look like I don't know what I'm talking about. I looked like I didn't know what I was talking about. But I did it because I wanted to open up a relationship with those young men because they needed Jesus. Difficult decisions are difficult because they matter. Why else? Because we lack consistency. <laughs> because we lack consistency in our life. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We have a promise. We know that what we do matters for the kingdom of God. He says to us, it matters. Jesus tells you it matters. He tells you all through this word, what you do matters. You matter to me, and what you do for my kingdom matters to me and to the kingdom. People will hear about me. People will come to know me as their Savior, and you'll have all eternity to get to know these people and spend your life with them for all eternity if you'll just give me this time. If you'll just make a decision to give me this time, just give me this life. Listen, I'm going, I'm in, he I'm, I'm in heaven right now preparing a place for you. I promise you, it's things that you can never imagine. Do you realize, I believe with all my heart, with all my heart, I believe there's colors in heaven we've never seen. I believe there's flowers we've never seen, never smelled. I believe there's trees we've never seen. I believe that there's a street of gold that will blow our minds. I believe there is beauty in heaven that we cannot imagine. Why? Because Jesus says, eye is not e seen, ear is not heard, neither has entered into the heart or imagination of a human being what I am preparing for you in heaven. Man, when you think about those things, when you think about what heaven's going to be like, I happen to be a person that doesn't believe it's out of the realm of possibility that our pets are going to heaven. People ask me that all the time. Do pets go to heaven? I don't see why they wouldn't. I don't know if they do or not, but I don't see why they wouldn't. They're part of fallen creation. God says he's going to restore creation, so why not? I don't see that. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not going to stand theologically on the matter, but I don't have a problem with it. I'd love to go, I'd love to go, go hiking with my dog, Gibson was such a dear friend of mine, saw me through such difficult times. 
I mean, that's heaven. He's preparing a place just because he loves you. And all he asks is that you be faithful to him and get more people to come with you. Get more people to choose him. But we lack consistency. There's so much evidence from the Bible that says we need to be decisive about our faith. We need to be decisive about the way we live. We need to stop having one foot over here and one foot over here, and we need to be all in. Listen, my friend, if there's ever been a time in history, in the history of humanity, where we as followers of Jesus need to be all in, it's now. I believe with every fiber of my being that our time here on this earth as the church, as the body of Christ is short. I believe in the rapture. I believe in the pre-tribulation doctrine of the rapture. I believe that the church is not going to go through the seven-year tribulation period. And I believe that time is right at the doorstep because 2020 has shown us that all the signs that God said, that Jesus said to us would happen before his return are happening at the same time. It's all happening at the same time. Why do you think even unbelievers, people who reject the Bible and reject God completely, look at 2020 and say, hmm, something's happening? Wildfires aren't just out in the West anymore. West Springfield. I, I, uh, I was driving down 91 last week one night, and the smoke was unbelievable coming from that wildfire in West Springfield. Our time is short. And Jesus says, just give me this life. Just give me this life. And what you have to look forward to is more than you could ever imagine. How do we, come, how do we become decisive people? How do we become decisive followers of Jesus Christ? How do we go from paralyzed people to progressive, powerful followers of Jesus Christ? Come back next Sunday, and we'll find out, right? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your word. God, in times of such amazing difficulty and struggle and fear, stress, God, you're constant. You're there. You're with us. You call us to follow you, and you promise that you'll take care of us. Lord, I'm so thankful for those who came out to this 9 o'clock service. Father, in this day and age, there is, there is something to be said for Christians who will make that decision to come to church. Lord, each and every one of us, I know I struggle with it at times. Lord, we have that problem with being indecisive and making that decision. God, quite honestly, the reason is because we're human and those human traits jump up at us. Lord, would you give us the courage to go beyond our humanity and to trust you, to put our faith in you and take the risk, no matter the cost. Would you bless us as we go from here this morning, God? May we be the children that you've called us to be. May we be the worshipers you've called us to be, the followers that you want us to be. 
There's a world out there that needs you. May we get that vision. In your precious name we pray. Amen.